This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, coming at you guys here on Friday, what is going to be May 15th, right? We are, we are finally making it through May. Hope you and yours are doing extremely well through the trying times that we are still enduring, staying safe, staying as positive as you possibly can. The NFL has creeped to an even slower crawl. We're doing the best we can here at the OBR of trying to get out as much content as we possibly can. Um, you know, for for some sort of spin on what's coming, we we still sit in a shroud of mystery about what is to come and the dates and the certainty and all of that in terms of what will the NFL look like this upcoming season. But we will continue to try to uh, preview things as if nothing is going to be different than it is normally. And we have gone through each of the drafted players. We have film breakdowns at the OBR.com. We also have the YouTube channel with quick hitting film breakdowns that uh, cover some clips and some information about these players. I hope you are subscribed to that YouTube channel. Um, you can get all of the players the Browns have selected, except for this final one, Donovan Peoples-Jones, which we will touch on in just a moment. Before we get to him, I am going to talk to you guys about the folks at Blue Chew who are doing a fantastic job helping men who are struggling in the bedroom with discreet abilities to see doctors, online physician visit, discreet packaging delivered to your door. Nobody has to know about it except for you and your doctor. It's a, it's a quick, chewable tablet, which is fantastic. You can take it on a full stomach. Same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Everything you need to get things going right in the bedroom because you're stuck at home. You need to make sure everything's going well. Keep those vibes positive. And uh, the folks over at Blue Chew are helping you out with that right now. Like I said, free physician's visit. If you get set up, your first order is free. You only have to pay $5 for shipping. So pay that $5 using the promo code BLUEWIRE. You can get that at bluechew.com. Again, using the promo code BLUEWIRE, just pay $5 for shipping on your first order. And that's a fantastic deal. You should take advantage of it. Also, another fantastic deal is for the folks at betonline.ag who have their welcome bonus going using that same Blue Wire promo code. They have Madden 20 simulations you can bet on, still have the future props that you can bet on, alongside the 
uh, poker and blackjack that runs all the time, uh, 24 hours a day. So go to betonline.ag. Take care of uh, making some money on the side here. Hopefully everything is okay financially. And if you have this opportunity, Blue Wire promo code at betonline.ag is going to give you some welcome money that is uh, pretty rare. Most places keep it locked up and make you do a hundred different things to get that welcome bonus. They don't do that at betonline.ag. They're your online gambling solution. Go to betonline.ag again using that promo code BLUEWIRE. So let's get to Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's a five-star recruit who came to Michigan in 2017. If you recall back then, Urban Meyer recruited him really hard. Urban Meyer, very high on the young man, uh, wanted him. He was one of the top wide receiver recruits in the nation, goes to Michigan, makes an impact in special teams early in his career, only plays 428 snaps uh, in 2017 and only gets 50 targets, uh, 22 catches, 277 yards, doesn't score a touchdown through the air, but does have an impact in punt return game. If you recall that 2017 Ohio State game had a really ridiculously impressive punt return, ended up getting called back, but didn't change what he was able to do uh, through that punt return. But the guy's explosive uh, his freshman year, comes in his sophomore year, 2018, uh, ends up playing 593 snaps, an uptick in slot snaps, goes to 230 slot snaps. Uh, gets 47 catches on 70 targets, 612 yards, and eight touchdowns, and grades out to 78.2 overall. So um, uh, much much improved, right? He, it's kind of sort of the the linear path you want to see a wide receiver take from year one to year two. You saw that from him. Uh, started to grow comfort in that offense structure that was there, and everything was sort of rosy, right? He could go into his junior year, put up even better production, and uh, you know things would ultimately lead him to being selected higher in the draft, you know, first, second, third round potentially. But then Josh Gaddis arrives from Alabama, and we're going to talk with our guest about that here in a little bit. But um, the offense changes, right? They, they try to feature more wide receivers playing more snaps, and you see Peoples-Jones not really getting into all too much of a rhythm throughout the year. And his quarterback struggled, and Shea Patterson struggled. It doesn't take, you know, myself telling you. I'm not the first person to say this. The guy was inaccurate, and I highlighted it in the film room companion that you can find at the OBR inaccuracies missing him on certain occasions but uh you know his final year he only plays 491 snaps so down 100 snaps a 68.3 total grade uh 33 catches only on 57 targets so even those numbers went down 443 yards like I said six touchdowns so he did produce getting into the end zone but the volume wasn't there so the volume wasn't there mixed with a new offense mixed with a quarterback struggling and that leads to production issues. And a lot of people were concerned about production issues with him and how that plays into his market share value and, and saying that not many players that are as successful uh, at the NFL level have this little bit of production in college, right? They all, it doesn't matter if you have a bad quarterback, the best receivers produce at the college level. Well, Michigan didn't pump targets to anybody. Nico Collins produced. He'll be a, he'll be a high draft pick. But uh, Peoples-Jones is just sort of in between. And I, as I studied his tape, I just felt like his quarterback, for whatever reason, was not as accurate to him as he was to other people. So uh, I didn't totally understand. I, it could be a shroud of mystery, similar to Stephon Diggs in terms of production at the college level and how that all translated and why Stephon was a lower pick. I don't think they're the same player type, but it's a similar sort of situation. Um, Peoples-Jones tested extremely well, right? He's 6'2", 212, 33-and-a-half-inch arms, um, 10-and-a-quarter hand size. Uh, 44840, which is optimal, 76th percentile, 44 and a half inch vertical jump, which is out of this world, 99th percentile. The guy can flat out jump. Uh, mix that in with the 11 7 broad, another 99th percentile number. And you do see that explosion. That guy can get going in a flat line and uh, he can run. He's got decent stride length. And, and you can see when he really opens it up that that speed is there. 
uh, as a player. And it's, it's certainly a part of his game. The thing that I wanted to see and a part of his game that I did not love was his ability to get in and out of cuts. I did not think that he was an explosive, quick twitch cutter at the, uh, at the college level. I just sort of thought that he, he lacked the sort of quick twitch muscle definition in terms of his routes, how he planted, how he got in and out of cuts. It was just sometimes you just noticed that they were pretty consistently rounded. Um, they did not impact players creating space, defenders uh, sort of being off balance based on his cuts. He always just sort of leaning into them. He needs to gain some route nuance. I was disappointed he did not run the three cone um, to give us an idea of what his change of direction is. And I think that ultimately left a big question mark and uh, eventually led to him being picked in the sixth round. So um, it's a myriad of things, right? There's some questions about his ability to create separation, which I don't think that's um, all too hard to look at his tape and say, yeah, there are some separation questions. And, uh, you know, his ability to be quick twitch in in terms of uh, in and out of cuts, uh, deep downfield, is he a build-up runner? Can he run away from defenders at this next level? There's some questions there. He does catch the football pretty well. He did struggle against Ohio State in 2019, had a, a three-drop game. But for the most part, he catches the football really well, uses his hands to do so, extends them away from his body, can go make difficult catches, diving catches, sliding catches. Um, and his body type is filled out for what you want it to be, a guy coming into the NFL um, I think he handles, absorbs contact pretty well. He has a, a different set of uh, a different set of moves coming off the line, dealing with press. He can beat people with motor. Uh, he can beat people with a long stem. He can beat people with, um, you know, three step chop and then club club ripping. He can do some different things to beat the press. He doesn't always continually beat the press, but he can, and he has a little bit of. Uh, strength combined with some different release types to be able to do that. I think Odell and Jarvis will certainly help him be able to do that at the NFL level at an even higher ability than he's currently sitting at right now. Although he's a great leaper, I don't see him high-pointing the football a lot. One of the things that I noted was his struggling with tracking deep throws down the field, especially when cornerbacks were or safeties were, were impacting that ball delivery. So if someone was there at the point of arrival of the football, I didn't think he handled being able to absorb a little bit of contact from a defender and be able to go get the football consistently. I didn't watch the film and think that guy is a huge leaper. Uh, maybe he wasn't given enough opportunities, whatever. The body control is fine. He can do different body style layouts, uh, you know, fading away to catch the football. But I didn't notice this guy like as a 45 inch vertical jump on film. So um, you want to see him use those traits more. I think he's got to get better as a route runner at the NFL level. He's got to work on creating the nuances that create separation that will be key for him uh, to be able to to succeed at the next level. Um, and if he doesn't succeed, it's probably going to be because of that. He doesn't consistently create separation and he might have some mental breakdowns in terms of um, you know, consistently catching the ball, doing the right things, lining up in the right spots. I think he's a sharp guy, very smart guy, and we're going to talk about his background and family. But he's got to be able to do consistently, you know, being able to play in the slot, but also playing out wide. Can he handle the burden of both of those? Can he handle the different types of players that come with that? All of that remains to be seen. The physical tools are there with him. I don't have any doubt about that. But it's how does he apply them and how do we see him create separation at the next level? Because teams will challenge his lack of separation, will challenge the cuts that he uh, is not as, as twitchy as you would like to see. So I'll be particularly interested in that. I think a, a good comparison is Chris Conley out of Georgia in 2016, who um, uh, started to ascend with uh, Kansas City, had a 500-yard year his second season, was a third-round pick. Uh, they're pretty similar body types, pretty similar athletes. 
Uh, he gets hurt his third year, has a pretty decent fourth year, and then goes to Jacksonville, has a nice first year in Jacksonville as a free agent. Eventually, if this player, you know, the, the hope would be that through the end of his rookie contract, he eventually is contributing. He comes in early, is an impact special teams player, which I think he can be, um, especially with the punt return game. And then from there, he's able to add to his game. And maybe as Jarvis Odell, some of those guys are leaving because of contract situations or whatever, he is able to, by the end of his rookie deal, be a player that the Browns can put out there and trust. So uh, I think he could be a nice fourth receiver uh, behind Rashard Higgins, provide inside and outside versatility, having played both at the college level. I'm excited about what he can bring. I think he's the ideal late draft wide receiver based on traits. And uh, I wrote about that. I hope you get over to the OBR and take... uh, Take some time to watch the film I put up of him that covers all the different angles of what I like and don't like about his game, and uh, hopefully you can learn something about him and then come up with your own opinions on it too. So we have an interview coming up with Ashley Bastock. I'm really excited about this. She's the Michigan beat reporter for Toledo Sports, um, so I think she's going to give some great insight. I enjoyed this interview. I think she did give you some great insight and uh, can teach you a little bit about who he is as a player, um, some of the things behind the scenes, and then sort of what the program thought about him as well. So. The goal here is to learn as much as we can about people's Jones. I think we can. I think Ashley does a great job. So let's get over to that interview now. So Ashley, we'll get started here. I'm 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 curious about you know Cleveland Browns fans and this stigma that they have about Michigan players, and and it's sort of weird. They're they're much closer to you know to Ann Arbor than they really are Columbus, but there's this loyalty to Ohio State that is the borders of uh, the state of Ohio, and there's the stigma about drafting Michigan players of late and sort of this letdown that they feel about the products that have come from Michigan. And when they drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones, I was very excited, uh, partly because I, I have a, a pretty good vibe for who I think he can be, who I think he he was, what I guess what he was dealing with from, from uh, things that were out of his control perspective in Michigan. I'm very curious from somebody who covered him every day like you did last year, what your opinion is of him and sort of what the opinion of us, uh, is of him, at least within that program was. So the thing to me about his combine workout and his reputation is his combine workout kind of solidified the reputation that he's always had in the program. I think that he's always had in the Big Ten, that he's this really explosive athlete. So he proved like, hey, like I didn't get hurt or something like that's not why I didn't have as many catches or like yards this year. Um, really, he's solidified what I think is is that he's a high-risk, high-reward type of prospect. So it made sense for him to go in the later rounds. I thought this was a guy who, given the combine workout at highest, could have gone third round, but really was expecting him to go on that last day. Um, and, you know, I think the Browns said as much that they think this is a guy who's going to be a good value pick. Um, going back to who he is and what I know of Donovan, having dealt with him, obviously, Um, He was the number one wide receiver in the country in the class of 2017 coming out of high school uh, in Detroit. And he was an all-star track athlete. You know, all of his college teammates are like, when they saw his combine numbers, I think LaVert Hill, Sean McCune, those kind of guys were like, we we saw him do this all the time. Like, we're not really surprised by that, right? Um, The thing with me and his stats are obviously you look at his stats, the receiving statistics, took kind of a dive compared to his sophomore year. So in 2019, he had 438 receiving yards and six touchdowns on 34 catches. The year prior as a sophomore, he had 612 receiving yards and eight touchdowns on 47 catches. Um, He never posted a 100-yard receiving game in his three years at Michigan, uh, which I think for a lot of people is a concern. Um, 
another positive, he's a pretty strong punt returner. He amassed 743 yards, I believe, in his career at Michigan and two touchdowns. Um, so again, that kind of adds to the value of him as, you know, going as late as he did to the Browns. Um, but I think, you know, watching him, especially last year, Michigan's offense, it, it wasn't super smooth a lot of the times, especially early to have to watch. They got a new offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis. They kind of overhauled the whole system. Um, and the priority for them was spreading the ball around. And in that, other guys got to shine in ways that Donovan didn't. Um, and there were certainly games where I think, you know, he had some drops for as much as people like to rag on Shea Patterson. There were definitely games for the receivers and not to single Donovan out. But that was an issue, I think, all year was drops passes um, at critical moments. Um, but then there were some great plays, I think, of the touchdowns he had against Michigan State. Um, so really, to me, the the whole, I guess, reputation of Donovan in college that he is this high-risk, high-reward type prospect, I think is pretty accurate. And I think maybe at Michigan, just given the offensive system and given some of the other receivers they have, um, where I think of a guy like Nico Collins, who's coming back for his senior season, he got to shine more in their offense than Donovan did. So I don't know if last year is the best thing to base uh, perception of him on, especially considering he was injured at the beginning of the year. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately there's, there's a lot of differences between Donovan and Jabril Peppers. If we want to go down that road, I don't want to steer the conversation in that direction, but I think there's a, a lot of difference and I don't think it's necessarily fair to pin what happened with Jabril um, and say, oh, well, the same thing's going to happen to Donovan because it's a Michigan guy. Um, so I would caution Browns fans not to panic. This kid is ad- as advertised when it comes to his athletic ability. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that there's, you know, the, the Braylon Edwards stigma from years years gone mm-hmm. by. And the uh, there's just you know, there's this, this vibe around. It, it, to me, it's just waiting for a player from Michigan to really break out for Cleveland so that this weird stigma can go away. And I think Donovan has a really nice chance to prove his value, especially a guy who some people thought could go, like you said, as early as the third. To me, from the outside and watching, I've watched as much as I could. I watched about four games of 2018 and then uh, like five of 2019, and I noticed the emergence of Tariq Black. Was that a result of Tariq, and I know Tariq has now since transferred, but is that a result more of him? It looked like they wanted to play a higher volume of wide receiver. I mean, he had 100 less overall snaps his junior year than he did his sophomore year. Was that a a byproduct of Gaddis coming from from Alabama and wanting to – you know, bring as many athletes onto the Mm -hmm. field and shuffle them on the field as possible? Was that sort of a stigma that was noticed? Well, that's pretty much it. And then I think when when you look at Tariq Black specifically, the other big problem is he's he's been injury plagued throughout his college career. This was really the first year that he came in healthy. So um, I think all these things kind of work together. Um, But definitely to me, you know, Josh Gaddis preached from the second he got to Ann Arbor that it wasn't just about making sure the offense is diversified in terms of we're running the ball versus when we're passing the ball. It's that making sure that the playmakers are diversified. Um, so I think one of the people who benefited the most from that besides Nico Collins was Ronnie Bell, who was just a sophomore last season. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, I don't think anybody anticipated at the beginning of the year that Ronnie Bell would be their leading receiver uh, when it comes to receiving yards. Um, he only scored one touchdown, which kind of became a joke on the team. Um, but, you know, you look at a guy like that who comes out there and makes plays 
pretty consistently um, and unexpectedly. So teams maybe, you know, don't necessarily have as much of a scouting report on them as they do from Tariq from years past. Um, and I think, you know, Tariq kind of saw the effects of that. Um, and, and, you know, in, to some extent, Donovan saw the effects of that when guys like Nico Collins and guys like Ronnie Bell really seemed to thrive in this offense um, when given the opportunity. And uh, it, it was interesting because at certain points in the season, I felt like there were fans and people on Twitter or whatever, um, they were always complaining that X person wasn't getting enough looks. And you saw it a lot with Nico Collins, actually. But you could say it for all of them. Like, why isn't this guy getting looks? Why isn't this guy getting looks? It's like, in the end, I think, like, fans weren't – there was no fan group of a certain player that was happy that their guy was getting enough looks in this offense. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see now with Donovan gone um, and some of these younger receivers coming up who have now, you know, grown up in college in the system, how that'll work. Uh, but it's, it's definitely interesting, you know, a guy like Tariq, what happened, because I think a lot of people – would have expected him to maybe be in that third slot this at the beginning of this year. I don't think anybody, like I said, was expecting Ronnie Bell to do as well as he did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm interested, too, on your opinion on this. I mean, it, you mentioned Shea Patterson. I don't think it takes the most trained eye to notice that there were some things that were off. Um, Shea was a little bit inconsistent with delivery of the football, timing, all of those things. And like you said, the wide receivers didn't help him out occasionally, but – uh, it certainly is noticeable that Shea was struggling this last year um, to, to, to sit in comfortably, deliver the football with accuracy that he certainly is capable of. I'm just sort of from, from Donovan's perspective, and, and you can kind of, I guess, branch out to the rest of the offense, but I'm, I'm obviously most interested in Donovan. It's like, how did he handle that? How did those guys handle some of those struggles? Sort of like what Donovan is like as a person. Is he able to handle those struggles? Did you ever notice him passing blame? And know he comes from a good family. Just maybe touch on who he is as a person sort of deal there. So I would say like in Michigan in general that none of these guys really pass blame. I think it's just the way the program is. It's the way that they're media trained, for lack of a better word. Um, and, you know, you can't even if you wanted to even bait these guys into doing that. So Donovan definitely didn't do that. Um, as far as his personality, he's always come off to me as extremely introverted, especially when dealing with us. He's kind of a man of few words. If you can go back out there and find his combine media availability or find the uh, virtual press conference he did with Browns reporters after he got drafted. Um, and But he always seems very nice, very pleasant to deal with. You know, him and Shea Patterson and uh, tight end Sean McCune, who signed as a undrafted free agent with the Cowboys. Um, they did when Michigan's pro day got canceled. Those three guys actually got together and did a workout that they sent out to uh, NFL teams. And they actually did it in Toledo, ironically, since that's where I'm based out of. Um, and so he's like kind of, you know, willing to do that sort of thing. I don't think you can question his work ethic. Um, I don't know enough to speak about the relationship that, he had with Shay or like anyone else really for that matter just because we don't get to see that side of them um but you know more background on him his dad is a doctor I know he always said like he wanted to be a doctor in the future granted now who knows how long he's going to be in the NFL and playing football professionally and if that will change in the future but that's kind of always said always what he said um and he's always been highly regarded as you know really focused on academics as well so uh, he's definitely interesting and definitely not just all football because, um, you know, we did get to see that side of him. And 
uh, I would encourage like a fun side of him is uh, he did this great Halloween costume this year on Roll Bounce and put together this crazy video where he's doing all these crazy moves roller skating. Um, <laughs> super, super impressive. I tweeted it out right after he got drafted. It was like, Browns fans, you need to know what your newest wide receiver is capable of. And it was just this Halloween video he did. So he has that like fun side of him too. I think just us in the media didn't really get to see that sort of stuff as much because he is a little bit more introverted with us. Well, that's great stuff. Look, I, I really appreciate you you taking some time for us, Ashley. I know it's it's crazy season and the world's wild, but uh, you know, anytime we can we can pull some inside information on on some of these guys. We we appreciate those people taking some time to do it for us. So again, thank you. Thank you. Huge shout out to Ashley Bastrock for joining us. Uh, really appreciate her giving some insights on Donovan Peoples-Jones, and we will turn to her if the Browns continue to select Michigan players or sign them, any of the above, as her insight is invaluable about these guys. And, you know, just a chance to peel back the curtain and see who they are as people instead of just football players, although we give you plenty of that analysis as well. So Ashley did a nice job touching on those topics. Another thank you to Blue Chew and BetOnline.ag for sponsoring this podcast and all podcasts at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure you are following the OBR Newswire if you are not already doing so as we give you the daily insights on the Cleveland Browns and everything happening at the OBR website. Really appreciate that support. And make sure you're getting to the YouTube channel as well, checking out all the things we have, video breakdowns. That is going to keep expanding as the season approaches. We do hope you guys are going there and checking out some of the content Dry season, trying to keep ourselves entertained, give a look at what's to come. Tried to get all of these draft picks talked about. We also broke down AJ Green on the OBR Newswire Friday edition for you to listen and go to the OBR and and look at that film study by John Stephenson. That will be up as well. So, again, thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And as usual, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.